And I'm starting a new series today, and I want to entitle this Home Alone. Not, you're not home alone. I want you to know that. Amen. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 through 7, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. Now, if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or if we are comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope for you is steadfast, because we know that as you are partakers of the sufferings, so also you will partake of the consolation. And then in 1 Corinthians 3.16, this familiar passage, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Tell somebody, I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. Would you do that? You know what that means? You're not home alone. Amen. I want to speak to you today from this subject. And the new series is entitled, Not Home Alone, or Home Alone Not. But I'm going to talk to you this morning from the subject, Repurposing Pain. Father, would you please speak to us right now? Let your word touch our hearts and our lives. Open to us the extraordinary concepts that are contained in the word of God that we might be impacted by them powerfully and that our lives might be directed by them. And everybody said, Amen. Home Alone is a a familiar movie franchise. It consists of five different Christmas movies. I didn't even know that there were five of them. I thought there were three. When I looked at into the franchise, there are actually five, and they're coming out with another one this year. The storyline begins in the first movie with an eight-year-old boy who accidentally gets left behind by his parents as they're rushing the family to the airport to go on a Christmas vacation in France. And while the family is away, the home is targeted by two burglars. Home Alone tells the story of how this boy outwits the two bumbling thieves who try to rob his home. And when things occur, such as what we have been facing over the last several months, you can begin to believe that you are home alone, that God has left you, even abandoned you. I want to assure you, first of all, that he hasn't. People have been shut up in their houses. Folk have lost jobs. The cost of groceries is rising. Thank God the cost of gasoline has fallen to the lowest I've seen it in a long, long time. Amen. Stress levels have increased and people have been gripped with fear. When I tell you the divorce rate has skyrocketed, you can't even imagine. That abuse has increased in the home. Domestic and child abuse, sexual abuse. They're just horrific things that are occurring right now. This isn't the kind of lives that we are accustomed to living in this nation. And it's important for us to know that God's faithfulness is not 
relatable to our circumstances. Did you know that? You can't always determine whether or not God is there based upon how good or how bad things might be in your life at the moment. Our situations can belie the fact that God's still committed to us. Isn't that what the story of Job is actually all about? Because in the story of Job, Job goes through horrific situations. And his friends come supposedly under the guise of showing up to comfort him. But instead, all they do is levy one accusation after another at Job and tell him that he's got secret sin in his life. And the reason they are so confident of that is because these situations you're going through, Job, would not happen if you were really a righteous man. Your sin has found you out. And Job's friends try to say that Job has sinned. And God gets angry at them and he says, what your friends, Job, have spoken is not right. You can't determine the character of God by looking at your situation and neither can others determine your character as they watch what you go through. And so God tells Job's friends that you have spoken without wisdom. You don't know who I am at all. I can be there in somebody's life when it's the worst possible moment of their life. And you know what that does? That makes me want to say to God, thank you. Because every one of us have lived through circumstances that were not what we chose to live through. And if it meant that our lives were out of favor with God because we were walking through that stuff, then it would mean that we were left alone in the middle of that circumstance. But God said, that isn't the case, Job. I'm right here with you the whole time. You aren't home alone either. And I want you to know that many people have felt that way during this crisis. And they tell us that one out of four are experiencing extreme loneliness right now. Young people and the elderly are especially vulnerable. You've seen these sad uh, pictures of a grandmother in a home waving on her birthday out the window to the family that's standing outside because they don't want to come in uh, to the nursing home or into her home. We've been separated from people we loved. But even though you might have been separated from physical contact I want you to know, again, you're not by yourself. God doesn't turn and run just because trouble shows up. I want you to hear that again. God does not turn and run just because trouble came knocking at your door. Amen. Never has and never will. When the pestilence passed through Egypt, the night of the Passover, in every house where there was not blood upon the doorpost, there was weeping and wailing because the firstborn was taken. But God did not let that happen to the homes of the Jewish people. He came and was in the middle of the crisis with them. And the Bible said he passed over. And we think it meant that he just skipped over them? No, no. It meant that when the death angel was there, he passed over and covered Israel. I need somebody to say, thank God I'm covered in the middle of this crisis. Hallelujah. We're his temple and he will never leave us or forsake us. 
So the question is not, are we going to experience pain in this broken world? The question is, are we going to make that pain become something beneficial to us? Or do we just grit our teeth and walk through it and wait until it's over and we come out of it and say, thank God that's over. I don't ever want to go through that again. In our text, Paul talks about pain. In verse 4, he speaks of tribulation. Again, in verse 4, he speaks of trouble. Verse 5, he talks of suffering. Verse 6, he addresses afflictions. Again, in verse 6, he speaks of enduring and suffering. Again, in verse 6, he mentions suffering once more. In verse 8, he speaks of trouble. Again, in verse 8, of being burdened without measure. In verse 9, of carrying the sentence of death in himself. Verse 10, of being delivered from so great a death. And of the need, again in verse number 10, to be delivered once more. Again and again, Paul talks about the suffering he's going through. Now, if there ever was a man of God, we know it must have been the Apostle Paul, our Apostle, the Apostle to the Gentiles. Yet he walked through pain. You see, pain can come from different sources. Some pain we actually bring upon ourselves. Anybody in the building know what I'm talking about? Oh, it looked like the right thing to do at the time, or maybe you didn't care if it was the right thing to do at the time. You just chose to do it, right? And we bring pain upon ourselves sometimes because we make hasty decisions that we didn't think through as we should. Other pain is brought upon us because we're connected to other people and they make decisions that bring us pain. We oftentimes, and this is where I'm coming from today, believe that as Christians, that should never happen to us. We think because we're children of God, that we're exempt from pain. We get a pass. Oh no. Even though you're a child of God, look around. This is not heaven. There are no streets of gold here. Wish there were. Haven't seen it. the river of life. You know what I mean? This is still heaven. I mean, still earth that we live in. It is not heaven. It is a broken world. And so Paul suffered because it was broken. Naturally speaking, Pain also serves another function. It has a purpose. Believe me when I tell you that pain is actually a necessary part of life in this world. You would be in trouble if you could not feel pain. For example, the pain that you might experience in your body could very well be your body saying, Hello, there's something wrong that you need to get corrected. Imagine if you didn't feel pain and you broke your leg. Or your arm, but you didn't experience pain. Chest pain can be a means whereby your heart is telling you, and you know, all of that rich, good food that you enjoy eating, that fried chicken and pork roast and everything else that you want to have every Sunday, and you know, you need to cut back on some of that. And if you don't listen to your pain, it can cost you your life. Severe abdominal pain can be an indication that you have appendicitis. And if you don't get that checked out, that too can be life-threatening. I actually have a friend. Uh, he's going to be with the Lord now, but earlier, years ago, he, when he was just a very young man, he lost his wife 
because she had severe abdominal cramps and they went to the emergency room and the doctor told her that they just thought that she had a bad virus. Sent her home and that night her appendix ruptured and she lost her life just as a young woman. None of us want pain in our lives, but in this broken world, it is a necessary part of living here. Here's what I would suggest that we learn to do. Instead of believing that we can do this and say, I rebuke pain, it can't come anywhere near me. Why don't we learn instead to repurpose pain? Give it a direction. Benefit from it. You're not going to avoid it. But you can turn the tables on the enemy if you will repurpose pain. Look at what Paul says in verse 4. He said, who comforts us in, comforts us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble. That little four-letter word, that, means simply this, that I'm giving my pain a purpose. Verse 5. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. I wouldn't know the consolation if I had not gone through the suffering. So I'm turning my pain into something that produces something beneficial for me. Verse 6. Now if we are afflicted, notice these three words. It is for your consolation and salvation. I'm walking through something he is saying that I'm going to reprocess and repurpose and use it to help you. What Paul is literally telling us is that pain can be repurposed. And isn't that what Christ did for each of us? Think about it. Isaiah 53 and 5. For he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities the chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed would you just take a praise break and thank him for that this morning amen amen where would we be if he had not hurt and then repurposed his pain to help us you say how can i repurpose my pain very quickly first of all you can repurpose pain to become revelatory. Pain will cause you to discover some things in your life that you don't know. Oh yeah, it will teach you a lot of stuff. Second Corinthians twelve seven, And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. I don't want to get too deeply into this. People think and say that it must have been his poor eyesight. That's not really true. Historians say there were actually a group of believers who were Christians who had converted from Judaism to Christianity, but they still maintained Orthodox Jewish practices. And everywhere Paul went to preach to Gentiles that they caused him problems by saying, this man is only preaching half the truth. He should also be telling you about circumcision and the law and legalism and the festivals and the feast and, whoa, the 613 laws in the Torah. And Paul called it a messenger of Satan. There was literally somebody that was spirit-filled, his brother in Christ, that went around trying to cause him trouble everywhere he went. 
And he said the reason was, was because of the abundance of revelation that I had been given. Now Paul did not say the revelation came because of pain. He said the pain came because of revelation. But I want you to see that that pain was revelatory to Paul as well. Number one, pain will cause you to discover things about yourself that you didn't know. Paul said, this pain was given to me, lest I be exalted above measure. You see, Paul learned something. He found out he had an ego. And that ego was a bitter, bigger enemy than he realized it was. And he said, in the middle of my pain, I discovered that I've got a, this problem with my self-image. And I want people to look up to me and like me. And, and I need the exaltation of people but that pain made me realize that my ego works against me. You see, pain will let you know about things in you that need to be corrected. But the second revelation of pain is that pain will teach you something about others. How many of us here have walked through painful times and in the process discovered things about people that were supposed to be our friends that we found out weren't as close to us as we thought they were? Y'all remember that country and western song? You find out who your friends are. Boy, don't you ever more find out who your friends are when you're in trouble. Because some folk bail on you when you're in trouble. And they have either have their own issues or they're too shallow to stay with you when you're having yours. Amen. I literally met a man who learned this the hard way about his companion. And he had gone through the trauma of a, a horrific horrific illness and the doctor said he would be incapacitated the rest of his life and stay in a hospital bed and his wife came in after the diagnosis I mean right after the diagnosis and the man is telling me this later and he's healthy and he's well and he's healed praise God because God touched him and raised him up but the man says my wife told me he said my wife came in and said I heard the diagnosis the doctor shared with me what your future is going to be like. And she said, I'm sorry, but I can't stay with you and I've come to say goodbye. And she divorced him and it broke the man. But he told me later, he said, you know, that was the best thing that ever happened to me because as long as th times were good, she was there. And he said, I met this other woman after I'd gone through that trauma and she has been a godly companion, faithful and true to me throughout everything we've walked through. He said, I never would have met her if pain had not revealed to me who the person was that I was married to the first time. And he said, I didn't want a divorce. That was her choice. Pain will teach you something about yourself, but it'll teach you something about others. And number three, pain will reveal to you things you didn't know about God. You see, you will learn in the middle of trouble about the faithfulness of God. That's what David said. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. You know what that shadow of death was, of course. That was the valley of Elah, where he faced the giant Goliath. He learned something about the faithfulness of God. And he learned that in the presence of your enemies, God prepares a table. It was gospel great Andre Crouch, wasn't it? that penned the words of this song so many years ago that I still love today. If I never had a problem, 
I'd never know that God could solve them. Boy, I've learned things walking through trouble that I didn't know anything about as long as the wind was at my back and filling my sails and everything was just cool and and everybody liked me and I had a good future and a good time and the world was rosy and, you know, take all that away, strip it away and you'll find out that there's one person that will never leave you nor forsake you. You are not home alone in the middle of your pain. Can I hear somebody say hallelujah? Praise God. Let me quickly close this. Second, repurpose pain to help you identify what you're leading on. Because in the middle of pain, you will discover the things that you lean on most and who you trust in most. And you'll find out oftentimes in pain, you've been leaning on the wrong things. We lean on our gifts. We lean on our talents. We lean on our connections. We lean on our resources. We lean on our jobs. We lean on our Blue Cross Blue Shield. We lean on the economy in America. Little pain come along. It changes all that. Knock those props out from underneath you and you find out you've been leaning on the wrong things. There's one that you need to lean on. And that's the Lord. I will lift up mine eyes into the hills from which cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. I will never be disappointed. I shall not be moved. I shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Hello, somebody that brings forth its leaves in season. Amen. Oh, you see, whatever I do will prosper. It will bring forth fruit. Amen. Its leaves will not wither. Amen. The third thing that pain will do is help you repurpose your own development. It will help. Pain can be used to repurpose your character. Paul has seen through, as it were, the chaff at this point in his life. All of the stuff that's superfluous. Have you reached that point in your life yet that you have figured out what is the chaff? Have you figured out what is just smoke and it's gossamer-like and it's immaterial and it's fluff and there's no substance to it? So much of what people strive for is fluff. And Paul had figured out what the chaff was at this point in his life. His suffering taught him what really mattered and what didn't. How people suffer will tell you a lot about who they are. You see, life has a certain elegance and harmony to it. And when you align your life with, the integri- with integrity and with the principles of the Word of God, you always find life to be much more rewarding than it would be otherwise. When you ignore the principles of God, you know what happened? When you dishonor God's Word, you do okay for a while, maybe. Some people can go years. They do okay. But you find yourself waking up one day and suddenly life hasn't done you what you hoped it would do. It hasn't been as good to you as you had planned. I see people make decisions and they don't think about the future implications and they veer from the word of God. And for a while it looks great and they're happy with their choices and then they are getting older. And and like David said in Psalms 73 said, I looked at the 
prosperity of the foolish and I was envious and he said then I went to the house of God and there understood I therein thou didst set them in slippery places you see look great for a while but a few years down the road all of a sudden you found out that millimeter that that it was off level turned out to be a yawning chasm that brought them far away from the ideals that God had wanted them to employ in their lives. Our own thoughts can mislead us, our own hearts. And that's why David said, and the psalmist said in Psalms 119, I think it was Asaph maybe or one of those, in verse 67, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. You see what happens? You encounter some rough places and you repurpose that to develop your character. And if you're going through rough places in your life, like we all are right now, that's my suggestion to you. Take a good look at who you are and ask God, are you trying to teach me anything in the middle of this? Number four, repurpose pain to develop perseverance. Paul didn't quit just because he had a cross to carry or a thorn in his side or a messenger of Satan to buffet him. It's the resistance that will actually make you stronger. Yes, it is. You can think you're strong. And then the first little wind that comes along, boom, topples you over. But it's a resistance that builds strength in you. And you can repurpose the pain you're going through to just keep going through what you're facing. You say, how do I do that? I'll tell you how. You get up in the morning. You roll out of bed, put one foot in front of another, make the second follow, and just keep walking. That's what you do. And you go throughout the course of your day when you don't feel like it, when you'd rather go over in a corner by yourself and feel sorry for yourself and have a pity party. You just keep moving forward. Have you noticed when you have a pity party, nobody shows up that you've invited? You end up having it all by yourself anyway. Amen. So repurpose your pain to develop perseverance. It's hard to get a degree, isn't it? You go through a certain amount of pain. You have to restructure your schedule. It's hard to build a career. It's hard to learn a trade. It's hard to get up and go to work in the morning when a sick child kept you up till 4.30 that night. But you know what you do? You just get up and do it anyway. Difficulty teaches you that you can keep moving even when you don't feel like you want to. And number five, repurpose pain to help you see the sufferings of others. And that's literally what the Apostle Paul says here. We suffer that you can be comforted. Why? Because nobody but nobody can help you like somebody who's walked through what you're walking through right now. We are the body of Christ, his hands and his feet. And how many of you have learned... That the world can be a very selfish and self-centered place. Anybody learn that? Oh, yes, they can. I once saw a little child. I was in a hospital. Actually, it was a hospice. And the child's mother was, was dying of cancer. And we had been called and we had developed a relationship with the family and been praying for the lady. And she became a wonderful believer the middle of that crisis, but she had a small child. And I shall never forget that while she is there, and she didn't want the child to see her, I, just, I should say this, as she became 
weaker and lost weight and lost their hair and all those things through treatment. They wouldn't let the child go to the hospital, but it became apparent she wasn't going to make it, so uh, they let the child come into the hospital room or the hospice that's where she was at. And the little child was so glad to see his mommy, but he couldn't figure out something was wrong. And he fell and hurt himself. And this is what I saw in my mind. This little child acting like children would do was focused on his pain because he failed and never realized that his mommy was hurting so badly just a few feet away and he ran to her for comfort. And there she was only a little while left on earth to live before she went home to be with the Lord. But all he could see in his immature and undeveloped mind was his pain. I wonder how many of us have been like that. We can see our pain, but we can't see the pain of those around us. When you walk through something yourself, it makes you cognizant of the pain of others. We live in a selfish world. Isaiah 14, the five eye wheels of Satan. Read them. Isaiah 14, 12 through 14. How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? Son of the morning, how are you cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations? For you have said in your heart, watch this, I will ascend into heaven. That's the first I will. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. That's the second. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. Number four, I will ascend from the heights of the clouds. Number five, I will be like the most high God. Satan used to be the archangel that led the angels of God in worship. What a job. Man, talk about a job description. You get to lead the angels in worship, but he wasn't satisfied. He wanted that worship for himself. And he became self-centered and began to look at it like this. I wish that praise was coming to me. You know, if I could get that... It'd make my existence better. And he convinced one-third of heaven's angels to join him in a revolt against God. Well, you know how far that got. I mean, God didn't even raise a sweat, and they were cast down to the earth. And we've been in trouble here ever since then. Amen. Because they're trying to instill in us the same bitterness and rebellion in our hearts that they got cast out of heaven for. You see, your mess can become, as we often say, your message. And when you've been through stuff, it can turn your attention from the image in the mirror to those around you. And you can say, I will repurpose what I'm walking through to help see others improve the quality of their lives. What do I mean by that? There's nobody that can help someone who's had cancer or that has cancer like someone who's had it. You know, when you talk to somebody who's got a bad diagnosis and God healed you or you walk through the trauma of recovery and radiation and all of that kind of thing, chemotherapy or whatever, there's nobody that can build a marriage ministry like somebody who's walked through a few problems in their own ministry. What you do is you repurpose your pain. Number six, repurpose pain to equip you. And I really am done. In our text, Paul's statement make it clear that he can offer hope and consolation because of what he has gone through. 
He tells them, our suffering is for your consolation. Amen. The simple truth is that most of us aren't interested in learning how to do things any better, are we? Until the way we're doing them right now hurts too much to continue doing them the same way. (laughs) That's when we're willing to learn a new strategy is when the one we're using right now don't work very well anymore and causes us more pain than it causes us benefit. Use times of pain. Repurpose pain. You're not home alone. God is there to help you. His word will help you. You can develop strategies that will make your life more impacting. People always want to know, how do I discover my destiny? You want me to really tell you the truth? Usually it's through pain. It's through the failure of a number of things that you attempted that did not succeed. And you say, well, that wasn't it. (laughs) And that wasn't it either. And that sure wasn't it. And I'm absolutely convinced that fourth one wasn't it either. And gradually you narrow your focus from a myriad of things to the one thing that you laser in on. And you begin to work on that. Number seven and done. Repurpose pain to help you always recognize who deserves the glory. Wow. Throughout our text. Paul is constantly affirming that God is the one who is the source of our strength and comfort. Look at 2 Corinthians 1 and 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of... Of what? All comfort. That's where it comes from. 2 Corinthians 1 and 5. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, So our consolation also abounds, what? Through Christ. When you have survived things that you did not have the ability to get through by yourself. Things that could have taken you out. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And you realize you survived it because of the grace of Almighty God. It's not because you were stronger or smarter or had better connections or more resources than anybody else. Uh Uh-uh. It's because God carried you when you could not walk. Amen. God made a way where there was no way. And God wants you to have a few moments in your life where you know that you didn't get through this by yourself. And right now, you should even be thinking of a few. I am. I'm thinking of a number of things I've made it through. Had it not been for the grace of God, I feel like Israel. Amen. Had it not been for the Lord who was on our side, now may Israel say. The story would have turned out different if it hadn't been for God. You ought to have a few of those in your life. You're going to have some encounters where you can't make it through. And either you sink at that moment and say I don't know why God let me go through this it's not fair God you abandoned me or you say I'm not home alone I'm going to repurpose what I'm walking through and use it for my benefit and you make it through that by just putting one foot in front of another and there's always the grace that you need to be able to do that Oh, you know, I've never found that there's been a whole lot of resources at times, but I always had just enough to get through 
to place one foot in front of another and keep walking through the middle of the dilemma. It's kind of like when Israel crossed Jordan. It wasn't until the priests put their feet down and tried to step into the water that the water suddenly pushed back and started forming a wall. Now, I've heard of stacks of pancakes. You know what I'm talking about? You can go to IHOP and get a stack of pancakes. But the Bible said the water stacked up. That's what the Hebrew word means. Think about that. Now, you know that had to be God. Because I've never seen water do that in my life. And I love water sports. Amen. You need a few places in your life where you survive some things you didn't think you could survive just so you will give him the glory in your life from that time forward. And you know what God said? This is really amazing. If you go back and study the word of God, you'll find it. God said, take 12 stones out of the river and set them here as a memorial. And from this time forward, anytime anybody asks, what are those 12 stones for? You say, we brought those out of the river when God parted the waters. That's not all he did. He said, you also put 12 stones stacked up as a memorial in the river where nobody can see it but the water. (laughs) Nobody but the problem can see it. And every time you walk by the river, you just look over at Jordan and you say, huh, you think you're bad? You think you're bad? There's, there's 12 stones stacked up that you can see every day. The, every day the water goes by, it reminds you there is a God that made you stack up like stacks of cordwood, like pancakes at IHOP. Amen. God made a way where there was no way. Hallelujah to the Lamb.